Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Hello everyone, welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to this episode. This is a very special episode as some of you may know. Usually on Mondays I share some contemplations um, for the week ahead. But instead, today I decided to share some thoughts and guidance around working with the Venus retrograde, which is currently happening. It's in Leo. Um... And it's going to be continuing until September 3rd, 2023. And so the reason why I decided to do that, um, there are two reasons. One is that I've been feeling this growing desire within me to uh, share some thoughts about this Venus retrograde in Leo. Um, I've been noticing myself talking more about it in conversations, um, definitely in readings, in my student spaces, and um, on social media as well, just kind of nonchalantly. And so I feel like I've kind of gotten to a point where there's enough for me to want to talk about it. And so I, I figure that maybe this will be helpful, maybe this will be supportive to some of you listening. And um, so I decided to follow that inspiration. And also, the second reason is because the astrology of the week to me really points to this Venus in retrograde, um, that, that it really feels like the astrology of the week kind of is like supporting me to follow this inspiration, you know, like the heart of the astrology of this week is that Venus retrograde. On Wednesday, August 9th, Venus, um, currently obviously retrograding in Leo, will square Uranus and Taurus, and Mercury in Virgo will trine Jupiter in Taurus. And then on Sunday, the 13th, uh, the Sun will join Venus in Leo. And so um, the themes to me here are really... Um, how do we illuminate the places that need a little bit of extra love, right? And so what I'm sharing here with you are some of my own intuitive contemplations that are rooted in and inspired by the astrology of um, this Venus retrograde, right? And all transits have literally infinite possibilities of how they may show up in our lives, right? Including sometimes like not showing up at all. Like sometimes we don't feel... Uh, particular transit or a retrograde or um, an ingress into a new sign for a certain planet at all, right? Or at least not in a conscious way. The point of astrology to me is to invite us into deeper consideration and deeper awareness of our lived ex experiences and our existence, right? More and more, I've been thinking about the planets as our kin, you know, the way that the rivers, the trees, the sky, the earth are our kin. And so the relationship between us and these non-human beings become the connective tissues where we store memories and it shows us how different parts of us 
stay the same and change throughout time, right? My intention with this particular episode um, focusing on Venus retrograde in Leo is really to invite you to consider how being alongside this astrology may inspire you to tend to your own lived experience more deeply, right? Because frankly, there's no greater magic in this lifetime than you being in this body at this time in this place. And so at this moment, my invitation, as always, is for you to tune in, to really feel into what's coming up for you as I'm sharing all of this, right? Trust that whatever is coming up is precisely what you are here to witness, to be with, and to work with. So let's start by setting the scene, right? I will first share with you how this Venus retrograde feels to me, and then I'll share some things for you to contemplate. So we'll begin by talking a little bit about Venus retrograde in general, right? What is a Venus retrograde and how does a Venus retrograde feel or how might it feel? On a very basic level, a Venus retrograde is basically a period of approximately 40 days when Venus from the perspective of Earth is going backwards, right? Of course, what this means is that it's not that Venus is actually going backwards in its orbit right? But rather because astrology is geocentric or it places the earth at its center, uh, Venus is in a moment during its orbit where it's moving a little bit slower than earth. And so it's creating this optical illusion that it's moving backwards. And so what is interesting specifically about um, Venus retrograde, and this is due to the nature of the Venus cycle, is that when Venus is in retrograde, it's not visible from the perspective of Earth. And so there's a symbology at play here, right? It's not that Venus is not is not there, right? It's not that Venus disappears. It's that Venus is not on stage from our perspective on Earth, right? Venus is hidden from our perspective, while it's also at a part of its cycle where it's it seems to have this really wonky movement, right? And so the idea of substitution and alternative resourcing are really present with Venus retrogrades. Venus isn't really in the chat here, right? Venus, again, like I mentioned, is not on stage and you kind of can't really call on Venus for help with Venusian things. Venus is kind of doing their own thing away from the human gaze, right? And, and so as a general principle, we may find ourselves in a moment of needing to reconsider some of the things that we generally rely on Venus to provide. Things such as pleasure, ease, connection, the joy of art and art making, the ability to find common grounds, agreement, abundance, congruence right between our values and our expressions of those values we may need to find alternative sources and substitutes around how we may access these venusian virtues so to be clear this doesn't mean that the venusian virtues are not available right like of course it's available it doesn't necessarily mean that things like pleasure or ease or harmony are not available. It may just mean that we may need to find an alternative perspective or an alternative way than the method, be that an activity or a relationship or a particular situation that we've been used to sourcing Venusian virtues from, 
right? And so here's an analogy. If you have been listening to the podcast, you know I love analogies. If you have ever watched a Broadway show, right, or a musical or an opera or even a play, Sometimes the lead actress or the singer who plays the main role is sick, right? Or is unable to attend for whatever reason. And then a substitute needs to step up into um, playing that role, right? And the technical term for the substitute is an understudy, right? And so this is an interesting experience. Every single time I attend a performance where the lead character is played by an understudy it's such a different vibe for the audience right um that experience brings a level of unknown right it may be pleasantly like it may be a a pleasant surprise right or it may be a disappointment but regardless of whether the experience itself is favorable it kind of um it kind of puts you off center right it kind of throws you off your game a little bit because as an audience uh, you tend to purchase tickets thinking that you're going to see a certain person playing the lead role, right? And so when you're no longer able to hold on to that assumption, um, it, it kind of uh, changes your your experience, right? Or, or even if it's the best thing ever, it's out of your expectations, right? You're suddenly having a different experience than what you thought you were going to have. And for the understudy themselves, right, the one substituting the main actor, generally, I would say that there's a little bit of an added pressure here. On the one hand, there may be um, loyal fans of the lead actress or the singer who was, who, who were super enthusiastic about the performance, who are now kind of in a more or less neutral state, right? So the understudy is no longer getting that energetic wave of support from the audience, right? And their enthusiasm. And there may also even be a smaller percentage of people, um, depending on how famous the the um, the person who was supposed to play the main role is, right? They may even be an uptick of negativity, right? Like some people in the audience may be annoyed or resentful, right? And maybe rightfully so, because... Not that they are, uh, they don't like the understudy, but by the fact that they've maybe traveled far or maybe they've made sacrifices, they've had to hire babysitters and they don't get to see their favorite actress, right? Or their favorite, um, singer, right? And, and that's a bit of a letdown. And, and, um, the understudy has to work with that energy. And so in this analogy, I would say that we are both the audience and the understudy where the audience in a sense that you know we we bought the tickets to see venus right we've come to rely on the expectation that we'll see venus on stage and we suddenly opened the playbill or the program and we realized that oh actually venus is not going to be playing the lead actress here and so we're kind of the understudy in that we may have to really step up you know and we may have to be the one doing the work that usually we uh, consciously or unconsciously rely on Venus to do, right? And to um, access these Venusian virtues may may require us to, to work a little bit. Right or or to be a little more creative, you know, because Venus is hidden and isn't really appearing to do the thing that we've come to rely on Venus to do. 
And so we may need to find new ways to cultivate these things or to recover and remember older ways that we um, found these things in the past, right? And, and to get back into the habits of doing them. And so this is where I think it's interesting to consider the astrology of the Venus retrograde itself in 2023, right? So essentially, Venus goes retrograde in Leo around July 22nd, 2023, stays in Leo, and then Venus will station direct also in Leo around September 3rd. So you can say that the period is about, you know, from between July 22nd to September 3rd, right? Uh, the planet that rules Leo is the sun. And so you can think of Venus as having this special relationship with the sun, right? It's like when Venus is in Leo, Venus's patron or godparent is the sun. Right. And the experience of this Venus retrograde will be colored by the experience of the sun. When Venus goes retrograde, um, at first the sun was in Cancer for basically barely a day. And then a little less than 24 hours later, the sun moves into Leo. Right. And then the sun stays in its domicile sign in Leo which means it's at home, it's able to access a way of being that's, that's unfiltered, right? The sun is free to do the sun things when it's in Leo. And then starting August 23rd, the sun will move into Virgo. Now in Virgo, the sun will no longer be at home, right? Virgo is a sign ruled by Mercury, and so the sun will now be colored by the experience of Mercury. And on that same day, August 23rd, Mercury is turning retrograde in its home and exaltation sign Virgo. And so when the sun moves into Virgo, the ruler of the sun, Mercury, will be, in, will be retrograde, and Venus will also be retrograde. So this is pretty significant, right? Um, you can say that, and, and basically, the other thing to note is that uh, Mercury doesn't turn direct until September 15th, which is essentially, you know, 12 or so days after Venus goes direct, right? Largely, there are two chapters to this Venus retrograde. A chapter where Venus is looking to the sun in Leo, right, which is where the sun is fully resourced. And then the second chapter, when the sun moves into Virgo, which coincides with Mercury going retrograde. And the two chapters have distinct flavors. And of course, we'll continue talking about it as I share these weekly contemplations. But my... Um, my hope is that this episode will kind of give you a larger overview of what we're working with, spe specifically with Venus retrograde, right? And to consider that arc so that you can feel into how you might be wanting to work with it, what may be coming up for you as a larger pattern, so that you have awareness around it, right? So what can we infer from all of that? In a nutshell, I think that the first chapter of this Venus retrograde when the sun is in Leo is a great time to focus on solar things, right? Here are some of the questions that I'm inviting us to contemplate. Where in your life are you invited to consciously cultivate love when historically you haven't received love or you never thought you needed love? What patterns of dismissing love or even downright refusing love, can we patiently witness 
illuminate and unravel as part of our devotion to Venus during this retrograde? What have you accepted as something you don't need or as something you don't want simply because you've never had it or simply because you've never seen examples of how desiring it work well for the person who is doing the desiring, right? Which parts of you have you allowed to stay in the dark because on a deeper level, you simply don't believe that this part of you deserves to be seen, to be held, to be tended to, and to be loved. So the first chapter of the Venus Retrograde is asking us to illuminate and to become aware of the ways in which we've allowed ourselves to accept treatments, whether that be from ourselves or others or the world around us, that are subpar, right? That don't reflect the, the recognition of the glorious, magnificent truth of who we actually are at our core, at our essence, right? When I think about Venus retrograde answering to the sun being in Leo in its place of domicile, it's giving me this visual of taking out all of our belongings from the attic, from the basement, from the storage space, right? And the, 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 these are the items in the boxes that we've stashed away in a dark corner somewhere in our living quarter, right? This is a time to bring them out into the light and actually look at it, right? In that attic or in that basement, are there parts of us that we felt used to shine so bright, you know? And how is our relationship to that bright, shiny parts of us? How has it been impacted by the kinds of response that we received? Because perhaps these parts of us were shining so brightly. You know, perhaps people around us were ashamed when we expressed these parts. Perhaps they freaked out a little because seeing these parts lit up some of their own stories and narratives and baggages around not being good enough right? Or perhaps they unconsciously were reminded of their own radiant parts that uh, they didn't know what to do with. And so they had to shut it down. And so they had to shut this part down within us, right? Or perhaps the world around you were supportive, you know, but maybe our nervous system wasn't quite primed to receive the outpouring of adoration, of love, of um, warmth and tenderness. And so we confuse the temporary need for retreat as a threat, right? And so we're stuck in that trauma response of flight, you know, of running away from our own bright light, right? I think many of us can really relate to this. And it shows up in different areas, right? For each of us, if you know your chart, you may want to look at the house that is ruled by Leo or the house where Leo is at. But knowing your chart is not a prerequisite, right? Just in doing these contemplations, you're already working with the astrology. And so I, I am inviting you here to really feel into what gets stirred up as I'm talking about this, right? For some of us, this may be a conscious process, like a process of consciously going like, okay, let me look at these patterns and how I relate to myself and how I relate to others and actually question where it's coming from, 
you know is it coming more from my defense mechanism or maybe from old old beliefs you know or maybe even ancestral things that i am inherently fundamentally unworthy of love and care and respect or maybe simply from the fact that i just haven't updated right like how i relate to this thing in in present time you know that i'm still operating from past versions of myself that are no longer um valid no longer part of my lived experience now no longer true now for many of us and i've certainly been hearing about this way more from my students from my clients from uh, folks on instagram we happen to be very lucky that the cosmos seems to be like okay let me do the work for you. <laughs> Let me highlight this tension in your relationship to yourself or loved ones or your career or the place where you live so that you are confronted with looking at the box that you've been stashing away. And so you start, you're essentially, you essentially have no choice but to take out the box and start cleaning off the dust, start to look at what's inside that box, right? This Venus retrograde is also colored by the rest of the skies. I'm going to talk about this more towards the end, but essentially what's important to know is that Venus will create a trine to Chiron and Aries, and it's also going to be in a square to Uranus and to a lesser extent to Jupiter in Taurus. And so this trine between Venus to Chiron and Aries may be showing us where these challenges or these tensions are connected to larger patterns of how you healing your own sense of being able to advocate for your own needs, for your own desires, your own purpose, and perhaps more importantly, to your own boundaries, right? Um, and the square to Uranus and Jupiter and Taurus may also highlight how how different you are compared to other people in your environment you know how you literally live in a different body right so this the sense of difference may not be a conceptual mental thing of like oh my identity construct is different than others but rather more in like an embodied sense right you may become more sensitive to the fact that you are literally inside a body that is different than your friend your partner your parents your sibling, your child, right? And therefore, your needs and desires and the timing of when those needs and desires come up for you are quite distinct from your environment. And so it's really kind of up to you. I mean, maybe even it's part of your responsibility to really attune to these needs, right? And these desires. And then to really give yourself permission to love yourself in places where maybe historically you haven't, you know? Places where others have not shown you that it's okay to love yourself or to ask other people to show you the love and care and respect that you need. So this first chapter is interesting because the experience may be very uncomfortable for <laughs> everyone at first. But I think for those of us who choose to do the work, to surrender to the process, to, to be with the discomfort, this process may bring a certain kind of pleasure. 
And it's a pleasure that to me is very solar. It's, it's the kind of pleasure, pleasure that is brought about by a sense of relief that can come from looking at these old, old patterns, right? And then going like, aha, I finally found a culprit, you know? Or, aha, I know that that old pattern has always been there, but I'm kind of a different person now. I have a different choice, you know, or I have a different at least range of choices from which to pick, right? And my sense from looking at the astrology is that this experience won't necessarily last throughout the whole retrograde, right? So specifically, this week when I released the episode, the week of August 7th, this is a fabulous time to be doing some of this awareness illumination work or even to simply open yourself up to having the sun show you what it is that you need to see on sunday the 13th the sun will conjoin venus and this is a great time for aha moments for illuminations for realizations on a deep level this is also a time where i think many of us will realize this is what my heart is truly committed to on a visceral, deep level. It's interesting because both the Sun and Venus have connections to love, right, and to the heart. The kind of love that is associated with Venus tends to be the kind of love that is more connected to the higher self, right? The kind of love that maybe is more coming from like the heart center, you know, the heart energetic center, the kind of love that comes from the cosmic heart, the intangible sense of affinity, perhaps even unconditional or idealized love, right? It has a quality of kind of lifting off the ground. It's the kind of love that is noticing a moment between two lovers and then capturing it in a poem, right? The kind of love that notices the love in the you know, that, that one has for one's beloved or the beauty that one has in one's beloved and then create a sculpture or a painting or a piece of music around it, right? The sun is totally different. The sun in medical astrology is associated with the physical organ of the heart, right? And the heart as an organ within the physical body is really quite intense. If you've seen the physical heart, the beating of the heart is very visceral, right? You can actually... Google this or find this on YouTube. Like you can find videos of the heart as the organ pumping blood, you know? It's really, really intense. <laughs> Our circulatory system essentially brings um, blood that is oxygen depleted into the heart. And once blood is in that heart, right, that blood is rejuvenated by air that we breathe in, a process that's obviously facilitated by the lungs. And then fresh blood, right, is pumped throughout the body through the circulatory system, which are essentially a network of veins, arteries, and capillaries that span over like 60,000 miles around the body. I mean, that's insane, right? It's a process that's totally relentless. The heart beats nonstop 100,000 times a day. And so to me, this is where we may find that on a more metaphysical level, we become aware of oh, this relationship or this work or this process or this place is so fucking important to me that I will literally give my heart to it. I will put in my life force, 
my blood pumping heart, my sweat, my tears towards this thing, and I won't give up until I see it through to its completion. And this kind of will and determination is a solar process, right? And it's, it doesn't really come from the Venusian process, although I, I do think we can kind of derive a certain kind of pleasure from it, right? But it's not like the Venusian pleasure of eating like a ripe fruit, you know? It's like the pleasure you get from like really aligning your will and your mind and your body to the thing that matters to you. And so this week is... Uh, uh, it may really bring an understanding of this is what matters to me. And my sense is that this will actually be facilitated and supported by the lack of romanticism that sometimes Venus can bring, right? The lack of touchy-feeliness, the lack of aesthetic qualities of the room while Venus is in retrograde motion will help us understand how aligned our actions and how congruent the design of our lives are to our deep underlying values. It's almost like without the pillows, you get to see the structure of the room as well as the essential furnitures a little bit better, right? There's an invitation here to then move into action, to really, as I mentioned, get our will, get our spirit, get our hearts, get our actions into alignment. And I think the work here may still feel quite behind the scenes, right? I mean, after all, we are talking about a planet being in a retrograde motion. But things are moving, right? Life may still be quite challenging, but I think when the sun is still in Leo, the movement is present. The illumination, the awareness is there. And there's something about having that awareness that gives us a certain level of uh, satisfaction. Once we really identify these patterns, these areas of life, the sun being in Leo for at least another week or so is really when we're supported to, to move into at least considering, if not totally implementing, how we want to do this, right? Getting into the nitty-gritty of how do I really let myself see and value my desires, my essence, myself as valid? How do I champion myself, not just verbally or conceptually, but really get into the architectural design of my life, right? And bring love to all of the rooms. And I'm not, again, talking about necessarily this aesthetic kind of love, right? I'm talking about the kind of love that is honoring of your inherent luminosity, right? And then we move on to the second chapter, which is from August 23rd to September 3rd. And to me, the second chapter is really fascinating. The sun moving into Virgo and then Mercury, the ruler of Virgo, going retrograde, even though it's still in its home um, and its place of exaltation will put us in a really interesting, dare I say, perfect time to do some decomposition work. Some of the questions to contemplate during this period are, what are clearly and absolutely no longer working in my life, in my relationships, in my work? What am I ready to part with? What smells rotten and what can I absolutely let go of, right? This period 
to me, feels like not a mental process, which is quite in contrast with where we're currently at, if you're listening to this as this episode is released. Where we're currently at lends itself well to a lot of self-reflection, to a lot of observation, to a lot of kind of letting things um, rearrange in our mental realm, or at least kind of asking for the sun to illuminate parts that we need to see, right? As the sun moves into Virgo, this process feels quite somatic to me. Consider uh, that Virgo is an earth sign, right? This is a moment in the story when we let our bodies do the work. We have worked with our minds, um, consciously or unconsciously, while the sun is in Leo to kind of identify these patterns. And then we let our bodies do the releasing, right? Of whatever is not meant for us to hold on to anymore. We may find ourselves during this period, quite honestly, acting in a way that's probably a little surprising to us. We may find ourselves being drawn to certain um, things and leaving other things, right? We may suddenly find a strength to cut certain things off from our lives, let go of the ways that we've been relating to something, or just kind of maybe have a really strong boundary come up, right? For some, this may feel clean and clear, like a huge relief. I will be very, very happy for you. For others, this may feel like a detoxification process, right? This may feel a little painful, a little messy, a little bit like vomiting or diarrhea, you know, which are ultimately our body's ways of kind of showing us, hey, look, something's not working anymore, you know? I think this part of the retrograde cycle may feel more automatic, much more subconscious or unconscious, much more nocturnal. And in fact, I would really highly recommend, and again, we will talk about this when we get to that week, but I highly recommend considering that during the second chapter of the Venus retrograde to almost like turn off your brain, you know, uh, go into go into spaces where you don't have to use the brain so much, you know, um, work with the body, you know, do a dancing practice, move, um, let yourself cry, right? Like these are things... These are ways that we can work with the body that doesn't necessarily involve the mind. Okay, so to zoom out, I also want to note a few things that I think are quite important about transits, such as this Venus retrograde. It's important to mention that we live within a subsection of the collective zeitgeist that has astrological awareness, right? Certainly you and I do because we are at least listening to this podcast. And there's this general trend of one, paying a lot of attention on retrogrades, right? Meaning retrogrades are easy to sensationalize. And so um, so they get sens sensationalized, you know, that's just the way it is, right? And two, uh, we also tend to forget that astrological transits never happen in isolation. So, for example, let's consider this particular Venus in retrograde, right? Which is happening against the backdrop of a few other important transits. As I mentioned before, this Venus retrograde happens against the backdrop of the Sun being in Leo and then moving into Virgo, right? It's um, creating a trine to Chiron in Aries and square to Uranus and Taurus, 
while Jupiter is also co-present in Taurus. And I think perhaps what I've been thinking more about is the fact that, you know, this Venus retrograde happened essentially right after the lunar nodes move from Scorpio-Taurus axis into Aries-Libra axis, right? Not to mention some other things that are not directly impacting it. Saturn in Pisces, Pluto in Capricorn, and so forth. My point is that the things that this Venus retrograde is going to bring to your conscious awareness are always, and I repeat, always, part of a larger thing that's interconnected with the rest of the cosmic soup, right? This is why I love doing the weekly contemplation episodes, because at least for me, most weeks, at least when there aren't literally like a million transits going on or aspects or ingresses happening, it's much easier to work with astrology in our lives kind of on a weekly basis, right? And also, they're never totally separate than the larger thing that we're actually working with. An analogy I would use is that this Venus retrograde is like a chapter within the book. In my own life, I am very acutely aware that whatever this Venus retrograde is bringing up for me are patterns that are connected to what I'm working working on, working with um, around the Aries-Libra nodal axis. The Aries-Libra nodal axis... Um, was super loud for me like it was like literally like going from you know a classical chamber music concert into like a heavy metal concert like that's how the shift felt like in my lived experience um and so i'm aware that you know venus retrograde is essentially 40 days right and it's happening within this greater um blanket of the lunar nodes being in Aries Libra axis for 18 months, right? And so um, that's important to remember. This Venus retrograde is also part of larger Venus cycles, right? Um, and I intentionally only talk about specifically the retrograde in this episode, right? Even though it's actually, this retrograde is part of a larger Venus cycle. This is so helpful for me to know personally because A, it makes me aware that, yes, things may be challenging at this moment, but there's a possibility that me experiencing what I'm experiencing at this moment will assist me in cultivating whatever I need to be experiencing whatever I'm going to experience within a longer time period, right? That maybe the skills or the mindsets, the resourcing capabilities and capacities that I'm tending to right now it's not like a touch and go thing, right? They will be valuable resources for a greater pattern that I may or may not be aware of is already kind of operative in my life. And B, it also takes the pressure off because, okay, let's say I completely fuck my life up during this Venus retrograde. It's really only a chapter, right? And it will be over at some point. There's a larger narrative going on here and I'm not totally going to know what it is, but this is not the whole story. So I have some simple recommendations on what you can do during this Venus retrograde. Again, because Venus is hidden, because Venus is moving in a wonky motion during the sky, in the sky, this is a great time not to necessarily ask Venus for things. This is not a time to be doing Venus rituals, you know, big Venus rituals, 
welcoming in light love into your life right like <laughs> this is not the time to do that in my opinion as an astrologer humbly you can do whatever you want with your life but this is this would not be my recommendation right rather you can still cultivate the venusian virtues within yourself with awareness with consciousness with intentionality and to direct this as part of your devotional practice to the Venusian within your life. Again, if you remember, at an earlier part of this contemplation, I was sharing a little bit about this idea of the understudy, right? Instead of Venus being on stage, you're on stage at this point, you know? So it's kind of not a great time for you to be asking for like the biggest, the most Venusian thing in your life but rather for you to be thinking about how do I think like Venus? How do I act like Venus? How do I bring more of Venus intentionally into my life so that when Venus is in a more auspicious time, which it will, it will be, you know, eventually Venus will move into Libra, you know, where it is at home, right? Later this year. I think cultivating these Venusian vir virtues and cultivating practices where you can tap into these Venusian virtues will be extremely valuable for you. And again, right, even just thinking about the nodes, you know, uh, the lunar nodes are in Aries and Libra. And Libra, the, where the south node is, is ruled by Venus, right? And so cultivating Venusian virtues is going to be really helpful because in doing that, you might find yourself releasing some patterns naturally. So here are some ideas I've been considering for myself. Reviving an activity that used to really give me a lot of pleasure as a child, right? For me, this has been drawing. I used to love drawing so much. Literally, when I was a child, my most prized possession was my set of colored pencils. Like it was the most expensive thing I've had. And it, it I just adored and cherished that set. And I still have it now. So recently, I've been picking up uh, botanical drawings. Uh, for myself, I've been drawing fruits, leaves, flowers, and it's actually been a very Venusian thing. <laughs> it's been amazing. I recommend writing songs for fun, reading poetry. Um, if you're looking for good po poetry recommendation, um, Mary Oliver's collection of poems called Felicity is so incredible. Like, literally, I read it in one sitting it was just breathtaking. So highly recommend Felicity by Mary Oliver. Um, and stay tuned till the end because I'm going to read you a poem from that particular collection. Uh, listening to music is always a great idea, especially when heavy emotions are coming up. I've been really enjoying just moving to music, you know, without letting my brain get too in the way, making all kinds of stories when I'm feeling a lot of intensity. Eating ice cream to me is super, super Venusian. <laughs> it's literally like, I mean, again, super personal, right? But like, to me, it's like one of the most pleasurable things in the world. And, you know, thinking of Venus, winking at Venus each time you hug or kiss or hold the hands 
um, of your partners, your friends, or your loved ones, or whenever you you make love in whatever ways makes sense to you that is authentic to you, right? Whatever that word means to you. Um, make love, find love, even if it's in the most unlikely places, right? Even if it's, you know, it feels like just teeny tiny drops of love. There are also some great ideas that I've kind of crowdsourced from Threads. Um, some of you may know that I've loved being on Threads. Uh, Kristen Mathis at Cosmic Spirit Auntie uh, suggested painting, gardening on the terrace, making fruit compotes, lying in bed like a Victorian lady, going to the beach also like a Victorian lady. Love it. Uh, Tiffy at Tiffography. Uh, said, I intend to make the most of these mantras. I allow love to flow to me and through me. Love flows effortlessly into my being, and I let it emanate from within me to others. I'm fully prepared to embrace my creative nature and fearlessly explore whatever ignites my inspiration. Hell yes to all of this. Shahir at Supersensory Shahir um, suggested watching movies at the theaters, playing bowling, planning a karaoke, everything that stirs up the inner child in me. Yes, 100%. So that's essentially it from me by way of contemplating this particular Venus retrograde in Leo. I hope that it served you. I hope that it's facilitated a space and an opportunity for you to consider what's been coming up for you, what's been coming up in your life, in your relationships, and I hope it helps. So as I mentioned, um, I really focused this episode around just the Venus retrograde period. And if you feel like it would be supportive to you to look at your chart, to dive deeper into what this particular Venus retrograde means for you and whatever you sense is already coming up for you. Um, I would love to do a reading for you. Um, if you feel like that will be helpful, reach out to me. I have some space for readings in August. If you're interested in going even deeper into the Venus cycle and you're also interested in uh, deepening more of your knowledge around Venus retrograde. I have a couple of resources I would recommend. One is a workbook by Pallas K. Augustine. Pallas is an incredible astrologer, and I think this workbook uh, probably serves people who have some level of astrological fluency better than people who totally don't, but it's an, a fantastic resource for like self learnings. Um, and again, it's a workbook, so it's totally self-paced. It's You can jump around. It's it's great. And also, I would recommend a workshop by my dear friend Verena Borel. Verena has been on the podcast. Verena is uh, really great at uh, taking technical concepts and simplifying them in a way that feels digestible and then um, really translating them into uh, practical advice, you know, and practical ideas. And so her workshop may call to you if you resonate with Verena's voice. Um, there is a discount code that you can use. Um, all of the links will be below 
I believe you get 10% discount if you sign up using that code. So check them out. Um, and finally, if you feel like you have benefited from this podcast, I have a request from my heart to yours. Share it with other people who are seeking support for deeper attunement to this Venus retrograde and um, or leave a review. Four to five sentences is more than enough. Super helpful for the podcast to find other people. You can do so on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is truly a, a, a labor of love for me. It takes me a good chunk of time and energy and thought to put together every single week. And um, this is a free offering, you know, so I would really appreciate your help to get the word out there and get people enthusiastic in case they need this kind of support. My sincere hope is for you to find a space to nourish yourself with love in whatever ways love makes sense to you or is available to you at this moment. And so to end this episode, I want to share a beautiful, beautiful poem by Mary Oliver, and this is called Storage, and it comes from her a collection of poems called Felicity. When I moved from one house to another, there were many things I had no room for. What does one do? I rented a storage space and filled it. Years passed. Occasionally I went there and looked in, but nothing happened. Not a single twinge of the heart. As I grew older, the things I cared about grew fewer, but were more important. So one day I undid the lock and called the trash man. He took everything. I felt like the little donkey when his burden is finally lifted. Things burn them, burn them. Make a beautiful fire. More room in your heart for love for the trees, for the birds who own nothing, the reason they can fly. Thank you everyone for listening in and I hope to see you soon. Take care.